What's going on, Brick Stackers? I'm your host, Alex Holman. This is another episode of Stacking the Bricks, and today we're going to be talking about motivation. But before we do, I just want to say a couple of quick things on behalf of Amy and I. Uh, first of all, a big thank you to everyone who listened to episode 14. Uh, we had no idea how many people were still subscribed to Stacking the Bricks, but apparently uh, there are quite a few of you. So big, big, hearty thank you to everyone who downloaded, who listened, who shared, who tweeted, who emailed us. Uh, the outpouring of support for bringing the show back just is overwhelming and, and awesome and makes us so excited to be doing this once again. The other thing is about that little challenge we issued at the end of our last episode about New Year's resolutions and and how to set goals that you're actually going to stick to. We talked about a way to shift from making goals an aspirational, vague, fuzzy thing that you probably won't do in the first place into something vivid and concrete and something that is achievable, but you'll actually get done. And then we asked you to try it, which was sort of the experiment. And here's the cool part. We actually heard from some of you. So I want to play a quick clip for you of a great example of one of our 30 by 500 students using these techniques to set crispier goals for 2016. Here you go. My previous year's resolutions were always I'm going to make some product money or launch some SaaS or do some vague thing in order to get to the four-hour work week or stuff like that. Um, This year I'm hoping to achieve a more specific goal of launching a specific product to my 30 by 500 audience that would uh, would earn me the same amount as I earn in one day of work each month so I'll be able to clear one day a month and my second goal which isn't product related per se is to find more clients that let me work from home so that I'll have more time to work on my products since I won't be commuting. How cool is that, right? Now, we'd love to do more things like that, where we ask you questions and you answer them, and then we can fold your answers back into future episodes of the Stacking the Bricks show. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So as I mentioned at the top of today's episode, we're going to be talking about motivation, which is another layer on top of goal setting. Specifically, how do you keep doing the thing that you need to do to reach your goal, even when things aren't going perfectly, even when you don't feel like it? I think you're really going to love this, so let's just get into the show. So we got an interesting email yesterday from someone who was in a mastermind group. Okay. And she said, in the group, you were encouraged to choose a big, hairy, revenue-based goal to chase, and that the conversations, when this number was being discussed, were a rousing rally call to descend onto the battlefield. I'd watch and listen to my fellow masterminders yelp and crow and generally sparkle with enthusiasm and gusto. I like this lady. Yeah, me too. (laughs) But she goes on to say that uh, she noticed that the ones with the really big, hairy, audacious goals, the big numbers and expensive cars and beach holidays, those guys didn't exactly follow through. And they didn't fail either. They just sort of disappeared over a few weeks, quietly, without fanfare. You know, two things are interesting about that to me. One is how unsurprising and common that story sounds. I was not surprised at all. The other is, like, that's not a mastermind. No, it's not. <laughs> like, that's a... Uh, Circle jerk. It's something along those lines. Maybe a little, uh, little less disgusting. But, um, <laughs> it's pretty disgusting. Maybe, maybe it's pretty, still pretty disgusting. But, like, a mastermind, in, in, in my experience, that is productive, and, and I know we both have friends that are in them on varying degrees of formality, but a mastermind is... Uh, well, we can talk for a minute about what it's not. It's not that. No. And no, it's this, also, is, this is a group... Fantasy. I just imagined a bunch of little kids lying on the grass in the sun saying, well, when I grow up, I'm going to fly in space and land on the moon. 
and we're going to live together. We're all going to buy houses next to each other, and we're all going to drive Lamborghinis, and our wives will be really hot. <laughs> uh, that that sounds way more endearing than yeah, the well, email we Yeah, well, it's cute when it's a seven-year-old. It's less cute when it's a 30-year-old. That's true. So so that is, is sort of problem number one here. In a effective mastermind, I think about the fact that it's not so much about accountability either. No. And we've talked plenty about that on, on the podcast before. You've written lots about it. And, and we don't need to rehash that. But I think the value of a mastermind, in contrast to what's being described here, is sort of a collective forward motion. And that's useful on all different kinds of days, but maybe most of all on the days where you get up and you're like, I don't really want to do this today. Like, I need someone else to remind me what I'm in this for. But in order for that to even be possible, forget the other people. You need to know what that is for yourself first, right? Yeah. The scene as described is a bunch of people who don't know anything about themselves. They're picking goals out of the air because they think that's what they should be doing. I actually really hate the phrase big, hairy, audacious goal. One, it's BHAG. Two, the word hairy is sort of disgusting. And three, it's like you should come up with a goal that's good enough for me. It's a dare. So you're like, oh, well, your porno fantasy was way richer than mine. I'm bowing before <laughs> you. Well done. It turns it from action to imagination, which is not how anything ever gets done. But our culture really talks about goals a lot because it's easier and more, more fun than to actually do the work. I don't know. I, I feel like there is a lot of room for even just a tiny bit of, I mean, I'll call it introspection, but that sounds more woo than we mm -hmm. really mean. Just a little bit of self-evaluation and saying, what do I want to get out of this? And there's nothing wrong with wanting money, but the question becomes, well, why do you want that money? What are you going to do with it? Is it is your life going to be better because there are a bunch of extra commas in your bank account? Or is that going to be there to serve some purpose to allow you to live a certain kind of life that you want, whether that is to travel luxuriously or whether that is to simply be comfortable and secure or to spend more time with family or whatever it is. Like I think something that you and I have in common, Amy, is like a big priority for us is time with people that we care about. Absolutely. More than the money. The money is great and the being able to buy stuff with it and travel and live in a certain lifestyle is really awesome but being able to control how we spend our time is really the biggest thing the rest is cream the biggest driver in my career is the people that i work around and i know that a lot of people that are in our community find themselves surrounded by co-workers and bosses and and, and people who not not just aren't adding value to their lives but are detracting distracting and, and making them miserable and personally i was there like oh god yes that me too. was one of the biggest driving forces in in one of the first major career shifts that I had was the job that I thought I wanted. I learned that I could not do not because of the work, but because the people that I was forced to work with were like, just like, the, <laughs> like, <laughs> that, like I, I don't have a word for it. I have, I have were a, they a big physical and hairy reaction. and audacious. <laughs> they, were, they, were, <laughs> they were, they worked in, it was a bank. So they weren't very hairy. Um, no, they were mostly clean shaven, but they were intolerable. They were just like yeah. they, they were the people they I wanted to be there rather I wanted to want to be there and they would rather be anywhere else in the world. Them being there was a chore and therefore their misery was my problem. Oh, uh, I hate people. Right. Yeah. So every career choice that I've made since that 
I think about that. I think about what it was like to go into work to do a job that in theory I love but made me miserable all day long. Yeah, it's a touchstone for you. And say, and I look at every decision I make and I go, is this preserving my ability to never, ever have to worry about that again? Well, almost no one is going to be motivated like that by the idea of owning a Lamborghini. Not that Lamborghinis are lame or anything or that wanting money is bad because I love money. Me too. But you have to really, really love money or cars to be motivated to keep showing up day after day and working towards that specific goal. And actually, it's easier to do that when you're in a job because most of the decisions are made for you. You literally just have to show and grind it out. Whereas when you're trying to create something new, a new business, you actually have a lot more freedom and that makes it harder to stick to some goal that actually doesn't matter all that much to you. Because the freedom cuts both ways, right? Freedom is not just the ability to do it. It's also the ability to choose not to do it. Ever. And <laughs> and if you wake up and you're like, you know what? This is hard. I don't want to do it. You don't have someone else there saying, too bad. It's your job to do it. Because the other person who's got to say that is you. That is the truth in entrepreneurship. The The joke is, you know, I work for myself. My boss is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I think there's some truth in that where, like, there are some days where you have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you don't want to do this work today. That's okay. But there's a reason you should do it anyway. Yep. Or there's a reason that you should evaluate why you don't want to do the work and make a change either way. But again, a, a Lamborghini, a, a fat stacks of cash are not going to be the kind of thing on the other side of that decision that's going to no. make you make the decision that is in your own best long-term interest. That's the other thing is here. We're thinking about long-term interest. It's not just how do I get a Lamborghini so I can put it in my driveway next year. It's what life do I want to live for the foreseeable future of my life? Very true. Not to make it too heavy here on the Stack in the Bricks show, <laughs> uh, but but I, oh. think that's, I think that's real. No, no, I completely agree that it's real. I mean, we're talking about the fuck this moment, basically. We are. Yeah, fuck this, never doing that again. This is not going to be my life anymore. I'm never going back to that. That's a really important thing. And I mean, that's one of the deciding factors of success that we've seen in our students and our friends and ourselves is that you have a touchstone moment, like your bank story. For me, it was consulting. I finally got away from consulting for a month accidentally and I realized I hated it and I never wanted that to be my life anymore. I had to go back to it for a while, but that's that's when I finally decided to should or get off the pot with the product business. It's like I just don't want to live my life this way anymore. And I was making good money. I could buy what I wanted, but I didn't I didn't want to live that way anymore. So if you've been following me on Twitter recently, then you probably are thinking, well Amy, you keep saying Beach house won't keep you going. What a hypocrite. You tweeted that your goal for 2017 is to buy a beach house. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you about that, but I didn't want to break up our flow. <laughs> yeah. So I want a beach house because I love the ocean and I am seriously debilitated by cold weather. I'm basically an extremely old person and I value ownership tremendously, not because I'm like proud of what I own housewise but the fact that we have a cabin in the woods and we can go there anytime because of my job and I have a mattress there that does not leave me screaming in pain and I can leave my clothes there and I can leave medicine there and I can just go there and it'll always be the same location. And I know where it is. I know how it is. I get to sit there and enjoy my trees and I love that. I love that more than traveling to new places because with my medical condition, there's a lot of stress in, uh, in the unknown, especially beds. 
there's a lot of that that's resonant for me, especially as we sit here on the the brink of February in Philadelphia, and it's not as bad as it's been in the no, past. No, it's been a cakewalk. Um, so, but I like you know we had the snow last weekend. Not just like we had like thirty inches of snow last weekend. Every winter, I think we say the same things to each other, which is, why do we stay on the East Coast for winter? Yeah. there. Are, I mean, there's some very specific reasons why. Do we stay why. in the Mid-Atlantic for winter? <laughs> um, so having that place to go, and you know, I, I think about that too, is I don't know, I don't have as clear of a picture of it for myself as, as you do because of other factors in my life. But You've been I, building your own real estate empire. I do. And also, you know, my, my partner, Patterson, has a job and a career that she's very dedicated to, and that's a busy time of the year for her as well. So, uh, you know, when I think about what what drives me, if not, you know, the ability to travel, although that is a big part of it too, the ability for her and I to go on trips and indulge in food and wine and things like that, like those are experiences that I will, I, I'll never forget, and they're just a big part of our life and our and our our partnership and our friendship together, but. For me, the ability to very specifically never have money be the reason I don't do something that I want to do, like that's my it's sort of like that's the the daily motivation, which is I will do everything in my power, my business to make sure that that is not going to be my limiting factor. Yeah, did you grow up poorish? I did. I I I I would say we were we were probably lower middle class. But my parents stressed about money a lot. Yeah. And I'll say more specifically, and this is this is getting very personal, but uh, I don't I don't mind sharing. A big part of the tension in the relationship between my parents was that my mom stressed heavily about money, and my dad was more like me, and that he was a business person. He was able to look and say, "I can always go make more money." Right. And the rift between that and my mom's outlook of, but where's the money coming from, was a constant sense of stress in their relationship. And that translated to, to me subconsciously or consciously. I, I can think of very specific times that it happened, but I had enough experiences doing things that I wanted to do and having the money problem sort of erased from the equation brought the enjoyment out of whatever that thing was. It makes a huge difference. So, you know... The ability to say yes, and there's lots of other reasons besides money I'll say no to something, but if the last thing that would make me say no is the money, or I might not have the money now, but give me a year, I can probably figure out a way to make as much money as I need to do just about anything that I really want to do today. Knowing that, knowing that I've already got the assets and the resources, as well as the experience to know I can do it again – that is a freedom that is undescribable in so many ways. And you need to find something that will actually drive you forward or help you pull yourself forward, I think, more accurately, when you don't want to do what's in front of you. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Because, I mean, we just spent a year working our asses off on the new 30 by 500. And that doesn't mean time-wise. We weren't working 40-hour weeks no, I, don't, I can't physically work a 40-hour week anytime. But it was constant top of our game, intellectually thinking everything to the greatest detail, reinventing systems. How, does, how are people going to understand this lesson? Recording, re-recording, editing, re-recording again, etc. It's really tough work, demanding. And there were times when I was talking to Alex and I said, I can't do this and I don't want to do this. 
he's like, I understand. And I said, I'm going to sit here until I do it. And I was up at two in the morning finishing recording. I did that a few times. And I really didn't want to do it, but I did it because I wanted the result. And it wasn't that I was going to buy a beach house with it. I wanted to have it done. I wanted to have done it. I wanted to produce this. I wanted it to be amazing. And I wanted it to change lives for people. And that kept me going. If uh, you told me that I had to go through that year and I would get this $3 million beach compound I saw for sale. <laughs> for It was huge. It's six acres of beachfront. Private. It's amazing. Anyway, if you told me I had to go through that one more year, and but I wouldn't be able to interact with anyone or know who my work help, helped or, or ever hear the outcomes or show it to people, there is no way in hell that I would do it for that amazing beach compound, which, by the way, is out of my price point, just so you know. But I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it for that to be able to work with the people who are being helped by what I do. That that is what makes it worth it. It's not just the beach house or the money or the impact. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important and we might understate it in the way we present 30 by 500 actually. The fact that this entire model is built around helping people. And when you learn the satisfaction of helping people, that in itself becomes a completely different motivator in your work than than you've probably ever had in your entire life. It is really a major reason that I hated consulting and also the jobs that I worked on. Because um, you were helping people that didn't really want your help. No, that's not – I mean, yes, but no. The actually th- – the real thing that made me just hate it so much is that I knew that most projects I ever worked on would never even get out into the world because that's the way bureaucracy works. Like abandoned IT projects, the budget people spend every year on abandoned IT projects is insane. It's enough to buy a Lamborghini or two. <laughs> it's enough to fund the, Amy's the war department. Twitched. Amy's eye just twitched. <laughs> by, by the way, I hear Lamborghinis are really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's one of those pure, perfect fantasy examples that when you actually have one or drive one, you're like, wow, this is overrated from what I understand. I'm not really interested in sports cars. But um, we got other emails recently from students. One of them uh, said that the first year after he took 30 by 100, he made, what, $24,000 off products? in around that range, twenty five, thirty thousand. Yeah. Last year, he was surprised to find it was $130,000. So he's done like $160,000 in revenue. And this is one of the students we almost never hear from. And his business is not exciting. And I'm not going to tell you any details, but it's just like – Oh, you were out there just making it awesome. And he said that it it was, you know, a life changer for him. And that is the kind of email that I live for. Like I, we have students who we've become very close friends with and we get to see what their money does for their families and their ability to work from home is amazing. There was something in the water yesterday and the day before yeah. that I think we had like four completely unsolicited, hey, I just want to update you, Alex and Amy, on what happened in 2015. And every single one of them out of the blue was talking about the specific changes that they made. Uh, One of our students had an existing business, but it was growing very slowly. Inside of a year, he like forexed revenue specifically from applying the copywriting techniques from Sales Safari. And he's been sharing feedback from new customers coming on board along the way. So we knew things were going well, but we didn't know how well. Didn't know how well. And it's easy, actually, when you have these other motivations to get to the end of the year and not realize how much money you made 
that sounds ridiculous. And if you had told me that before I got to this point, I would not have believed you. Literally two of the people that wrote in in the last couple of days said, <laughs> I was doing my year end books and I realized how much money I made. Like that is that is, it sounds so silly. You're right. Money is great. But I think it's a lot like the Lamborghini is that if you don't have any vehicle and you have to get around, well, then you really acutely feel that if you don't have enough money to live a comfortable life, if you're always worrying about money, it's on your mind all the time and the most attractive thing in the world. If you have enough and you're doing something that you really get a lot of fulfillment out of, you don't pay attention to it nearly as much as you might think. So how do we want to wrap this up? Well, this is about motivation. And the traditional sort of model of motivation is to pick this big, hairy, audacious goal and then announce it to people who will probably be impressed by your goal or they'll be rolling their eyes behind your back. And then you are like, you pin it to your mirror and you're like, I'm going to buy that Lamborghini. And you will theoretically somehow through the power of editing, go through some sort of montage where you'll do all the work <laughs> and then at the end, you will drive away into the sunset in your Lamborghini. But that's not that's not the way that it works. You have to know yourself and what will actually keep you going through things that are difficult. It's not that entrepreneurship or building a product or writing a book is actually all that innately stressful. It's all internal struggle. There are going to be days when you don't want to do it. That whole line about if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life is a load of crap. Total bullshit. Total bullshit. There is literally nobody on the planet who loves every aspect of running their business. For example, bookkeeping. Gross. When you hire people, that can be wonderful, but eventually you're going to have to fire someone. And there are some sociopaths out there that really enjoy firing, but that will probably be one of the worst days of your life the first time you fire somebody. Yes. I nearly vomited. I, I vomited twice the first you did time. vomit okay <laughs> i did it's true it was very stressful i'm not much of a crier but like the night i realized i really had to fire this person i sat down and i cried it was it was very stressful but you have those downsides as an employee and you have zero control over them that is i think the key and really at the heart of all of this is you making a choice to take control over a part of your life that maybe you don't currently have control over or you don't have control in the way that you want or need it and when you're there as an employee and you don't like your job and it's draining your desire to do the thing that you really enjoy, for example, web development like you were doing at the bank, you try to grasp onto things that are uncomplicated like a car when actually what you really need is what you can't even imagine, which is the freedom to set your own life from day to day, week to week, month to month and get what you want out of life. For me, when I did this exercise several years ago when I was in Vienna, I was like, well, first of all, I had to get the hell out of Vienna <laughs> because what I envisioned was working with people that I enjoyed on projects that impacted people and, and hearing from those people whose lives I touched. And that was such a, a seemingly small goal, but that is really what has kept me going this entire time. Yeah, and it's a goal like that that becomes a through line through every aspect of the work. Every kind, like you can do so many different kinds of work and fulfill that goal yeah. for the rest of your career, for the rest Absolutely. of your life. It was neither big nor hairy nor audacious. In fact, it was really achievable, but it was really important to me. And that's what kept us going. So question of the day is what's going to keep you going? What's the thing in your life that matters more than anything else that when you wake up in the morning and you don't want to do the hard work because you're tired or you're frustrated or you're just having a bad day, what's the thing that matters enough that you can use as a reminder to say, you know what, 
should probably do this anyway. That's the kind of motivation you can do a lot with. So we want to hear from you just like last time. You can write it out and shoot us an email at show at stackingthebricks.com. Or if you'd like to fire up the voice recorder on your phone and tell us what your motivator is, we'd love to hear it. Looking forward to hearing from you guys and hope you have a great week.